Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Let me briefly recount one thing that I remember when I came first, when we came first uh, with my wife and Anais to CCM Lady Ban in September 2018. It was at Weddington, uh, the place where the service used to, to be before moving down to Lady Ban. And there was a good sermon, but the thing that I remember the most is to be invited right after the service at someone's house. So it was a great chance to talk to someone. Uh, it was the first time uh, to, to, to attend the service. We, we just moved from uh, Paris to UK, two weeks. And um, yeah, ha- be- being invited to someone makes us feel uh, like at, at home. We, we feel comfortable. And uh, I don't want to reveal the name of Daisy. <laughs> and, and, and your former flatmate, uh, Jess, too. But thank you for inviting us. Uh, what I mean by this introductory anecdote, uh, anecdote is the power of being welcome to someone's house. And even someone that you haven't met before. The context of this morning's passage is kind of similar story of a prophet welcomed in a widow's house, but in a more spectacular manner. So imagine just a little bit someone you, run, you meet randomly in the street, okay, and the person said to you, uh, your bank account will never be overdrawn, and there will be always food in your kitchen. And he, he adds to that, your family will live happily ever after. On top of that, the person requested, requested from you to prepare a good roast lump food with a sticky toffee pudding (laughs) plus a sparkling wine. And by the way, this person incognito makes it clear that he will stay in your house, in your spare upstairs room, right? Well, this is not a fairy fairy tale story, but this is exactly what happened up to the verse that we will look at. So far, the story is great between the widow of Zarephath and Elijah. God has miraculously provided to both Elijah and the widow. In that time, there was a great famine, but God constantly provides oil and flour to them. But in this morning passage, there is a kind of U-turn in the situation. It is this moment in life where things are getting complicated. So I'll read the the, the passage now. So in 1 King 17, verse 17, it is saying, Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me? Man of God, did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, 
Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room he was where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. The woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. So the story we just read uh, here we see that the son of the woman became ill and it was so worse that he, the son died. Some translations said that the son lost his breath. <coughs> but we see at the end of the chapter that there is a happy ending to, to, to that. Elijah intercedes in favor of the widow's son and God heard Elijah's cry. He has raised, God has raised the child from death to life. So at the heart of this morning message is the impact of intercession prayer. Let us have a look at two points today. First, we will look at the widow of Zarephath. And secondly, we will look at uh, Elijah's intercession in favor of the woman's son. So first, we can ask the question, who is the woman, who, who is this woman, who is the widow of Zarephath? What do we know about her? So uh, in the New Testament, we have some clue. So if we look at Luke uh, 4, 25 to 26, it is the time where uh, Jesus was challenged in Nazareth and he was responding to them, saying that uh, a, a prophet is not welcomed in his own nation. And at, from 25 to 26, it is, we, we read this. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for, for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, talking about the Israelites, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. So the woman is probably is, is not Israelite, a descendant of Jacob. She might probably be a Phoenician, and we know that the northern kingdom of Israel was under a mix of cultures at this time. There were Samaria, uh, Jews, uh, Phoenicians, Philistine, and so on. So anyway, the first thing that struck me in the passage is, is the quite strange question she asked to Elijah. Let us have a look. She said, what do you have against me, man of God? 
Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? So the three questions that flow out of my mind are, well, is it the question to ask in death situation? Maybe. Is she really accusing herself to cause the death of her son because of her past sin? Maybe. Or is it merely a, her own way to express anger? Probably. So sometimes it is hard to keep rational mind when we lost loved ones or we just lost, lose something that we really uh, cherish. It can be that she is asking herself many what-ifs questions left unanswered. We too sometimes we wonder if we had done things uh, differently, how it would have gone when we are in tough times. So we can't totally blame the woman for going a bit irrational in her behavior. Another facet to have in mind uh, when we, we read this passage is that uh, the question can be related to the historical context. Indeed, it was the time where Israel was split in two kingdoms, the northern one with 10 tribes of Jacobs and the southern kingdom with the left two tribes. The king Ahab and his wife Jezebel were reigning in, northern land, in the northern land of Israel, introducing many evil doings in Israel. We know that at this time, Israelites ran away from God, adoring false gods and many idols like Baals, offering horrifying sacrifices, including humans. It is their evil doings and their deeds that led to the great famine in Israel. So being in contact with Elijah, the woman is probably aware of that. This can be another explanation of the question she asked too. Finally, we can, we, we can see in her uh, reaction a way to express the anger. Let me remind you here that the son did not die because he starves, because God was providing for them. The reason why the son died is not precise here, but maybe she is thinking that God is punishing her for her fault. So whatever the reason is, we can relate to the widow of Zarephath. Her story is not too far from us. Isn't the widow of Zarephath like our current world, plenty of why and what if questions? What happens in, ninth, in the ninth century before Christ is still vivid today? We are living in a sort of uncertain, groaning world full of sins, idols, false thoughts, Listening to news recently, it is assumed that amid the 2022 energy crisis, in UK alone, about one million of homes uh, will struggle to pay their electricity bills. And just turn on the TV, and it is flagrant that to see the horror of war, diseases, and a falling down of the world. So in many ways, 
the context of drought and lack in Israel still stands in today's world. But there is a happy ending of that. There is a happy ending. We have an intercessor in heavenly places. And it is only in Jesus that we are saved. It is only Jesus who can intercede for us. So Elijah's uh, reaction in this stressful moment sheds some light on how we we should react in tough times. And this is what I'm going to, to, to look at in the second point. So if we uh, analyze Elijah's reaction, we see here a good example that we can apply in our daily lives. It shows at least two ways of, uh, to, to react in tough times, prayer and actions. First, Elijah imitates the same question the woman asked him to God as if he were, he, he, he were simp- simply relaying the woman's state of mind to God. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? So he put himself in the woman's shoes this is one characteristic of someone who intercedes as an advocate for another person. I remind here in the passage what Elijah said. Give me your son, Elijah, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid, and laid him on his bed. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. So I just highlight here many action verbs. (coughs) And here is the list of points we can apply to our daily lives. First, if we look at this chunk, give me your son. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room. What we can see here is that Elijah is making the pain of this woman personal. He shares with empathy the woman's pain, the woman's pain and even he rephrases her initial question. Christ also commands us to be passionate about people, to pastoring with them, to see their life transformed and brought to a new life. Despite being persecuted in the first centuries, the impact of the early church is massive in the time of Roman Empire. It is the church who assisted the poor, the slaves, the widows, and we read few indications of that throughout the books of Acts to Philemon. And we can have a second example when we look at heroes of faith who also paved the way for us. Corrie Boom in Netherlands in the time of Second World War spared many Jews' lives in opening her house to, to them. She hides Jewish people under the threat of persecution. 
Even when she was arrested and sent to prison, she sticks to her Christian faith and continues to, to strengthen many others in her poly conditions. Today also, Christ-likeness for us may be when at church level or at personal level, we encourage Alpha courses, School of Ministries, courses of theology, giving to the poor or supporting the community with one goal, to bring people close to God. This is the second commandment that Jesus gives us to love our neighbors, even our enemies. This week is tagged as the mental health and well-being so every time we find a time in our busy agenda to offer a cup of tea and to pray with someone, this can be a good start. It is also said he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out uh, to the Lord. So here Elijah is simply doing what he could at this very moment. So who know the American series, Baywatch? <laughs> yeah, okay, that, that speaks to many. <laughs> right, okay, so it, it, is, it is an American series uh, describing the, the journey and adventures of team of lifeguards on a crowded beach. Their job is to strive to control and keep the crowds safe from the raging seas. Here Elijah is purely, is, here Elijah is surely not Mitch Buchanan, but he is just trying to do something to reanimate the kid, to bring him to, to life. This is a picture inviting us to not adopt a stoic version of Christianity. So we can we can do what we can to, su to support someone. Even everyone is gifted with the supernatural power of prayer. You don't know how big the impact could be in devoting yourself in prayer and interceding for someone. Let me tell you this story. Amid the first month of the pandemic, on one Thursday, I randomly met a, a, a lady at her 50s, struggling with her cancer of pancreas. I've never met her before. Uh, I don't know how we come to, to, to this point, but anyway, we engage the conversation. In explaining her misery, I understand that she was not able to book a date for her surgery because of COVID. And after being moved by that, I simply explained my faith based on Christ, and then I prayed for her in this street. As strange as it is, nearly nine months later, I met her again randomly in the street, and we had a chat. Well, she was feeling way better than the first time I saw her. And most importantly, she had been able to find a date for her surgery. So this similar story repeats many times whenever I, I am on the basketball ground or dropping my kids to school and having opportunity to, to chat with someone. 
by simply finding an opportunity to talk and to, to, to share a moment of prayer with friend, neighbor, colleague, that could be a good start. So I'm coming close to the end of the message, but there is a happy ending here. The woman recognizes that Elijah is a man of God and that the word of the Lord from his mouth is the truth. And about 800 years later, we have Jesus. Like Elijah, Jesus feeds the poor, heals the sick, resurrected Lazarus from death, and confronted the powerful persons. The passage said in the beginning that the woman's, lost, the woman's son lost his breath. In the beginning of the creation, too, God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. He gives his holy breath, but sin has defied our soul and led us to death as a consequence. Therefore, Jesus came to restore the first creation, to fix what was going wrong. Christ has given us a new breath. In dying, he crucified our sinful nature. In resurrecting, he offers us a brand new perspective for our future. At the end of the story, there is no more condemnation out of the widow's mouth, but only a glimpse of worship to the Lord because of what he has done for her. Like the widow of Zarephath, the word can be quick to accuse in tough times to have done the wrong thing. When someone did something wrong, he pays the debt to the society. It can be a fine for a bad parking station or to be jailed for criminal offense. But what Christ did for us is to pay our debt in heavenly places once for all. It is secured if we trust in him. We are neither saved because of our material possessions nor because we are doing well in society but only our faith in Jesus. As we are living in the groaning season of the creation, here is a reminder that Christ has so loved us that he saved us. In him we have eternal life, and he is our ultimate intercessor. Let us free ourselves from things that tend to accuse us, and let us bind in our hearts our joyful promise of the new life that Jesus gives us. This is, must, must always be our encourage. Jesus is our helper in these current days and is our advocate forever. So I'm going to invite you to, for a moment for prayer, if we can stand on our feet. <coughs> So Romans 8 says that God justifies us from our sins. Not only he justifies us, but Christ Jesus, like Elijah, is 
interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? I am loved. You are loved. We are loved. Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, war, nothing can separate us from Christ, from his love. What the world offer can cannot come cl even close. So I'm going to invite you to respond to, to two points. No more accusation. No more accusations from our enemies. No more condemnations. No more sorrows. Because we have the ultimate advocate in the name of Jesus. It may be time for someone to let it go. To just think, I've been questioning myself so many times, but this morning is time to let it go. And the second thing is just to pause our minds one second and to think about someone. And then when we have this person in mind, let's commit ourselves to, to pray for him in a steadfast manner.